Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. You see, my dad was a cop in the 1980s in Sydney, which has been widely regarded as one of the most dangerous times to be a police officer in Australia. It was basically the Wild West. So I wrote a book about it. It was called Loose Units. And then we did a podcast about it. Loose Units Season 1 was an incredible experience, and we loved every minute of it. But it turns out that Dad did more than just patrol the streets. He plunged headfirst into the terrifying world of forensics. So on this season of Loose Units, that's what we're doing. We're going deep into the world of forensics and fingerprints and all of that good stuff. Well, I say good stuff. Actually, things got worse than ever. So strap in for Loose Units Season 2, Electric Blue. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Loose Units 2, Electric Blue. I don't know why I pause like that. I'm Paul Verhoeven and across from me is my dad. He was a cop in the 80s and now we're talking about the stuff he lived through. Dad, how you doing? Paul, I'm really, really good. And uh, obviously last episode was frankly the most upsetting thing. I've... Yeah, I found it upsetting. Really? It yep. really gets to us. That's mm, no, bad. So we hope you're hanging in there. But, you know, I figure that, you know, people know in a way what they're getting into. Perhaps yep. not at that level, but it's pretty bad. But, you know, I normally give you a, like a, a word yep. or a, a sentence, but I thought... Look, no, I'm not going to say anything to you. So you actually have got no idea. But you do kind of because I, 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 okay, I, I did use the word necrophilia. Okay. Hey, uh, listeners, trigger warning, necrophilia. That is a trigger warning that I never thought I'd have to issue and I really didn't want to. For those of you who don't know what necrophilia well, is. Paul, Paul, yeah. would you mind if I Googled it? Uh, maybe don't put that in your search history. No, no, it's cool. I, I mean, mean it's I got not a, a crime to, to, to look up that word. No, but it should be. No, but seriously, come it's on. it's bad stuff. You, you you talk for a sec. As far as things that humans can do that are, I would say, evil and bizarre and evil, uh, that's definitely near the top of the list. It's kind of crazy what human beings are capable of, and I know this season has kind of proved that. But I mean, Dad's sitting across from me now, googling something. Which okay, it's pretty. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad? Yep. Is July. this the dictionary definition? Yeah, yeah. It says, it's, well, from Wikipedia, which I, it's my go-to source. Right. I'll quote it. It says, uh, necrophilia is a pathological fascination with dead bodies, which often takes the form of a desire to engage with them in sexual activities such as intercourse. Okay. Okay, that's, so that's, we'll- That's probably enough for- Yeah. Yep. That just sort of, you know, gives people an idea, and I'm sure everyone knows what it is, but I- um, I'll start off with a with a with a story that's pretty uh, pretty bad. 
Um, so we all know that funeral homes um, have uh, like a van and they go and pick up dead bodies. Yeah. So, but also you've got what's called the government contractor. So every time there's a dead body, the contractors come in. But what a lot of people don't know is that the contractors are quite often funeral parlours that are doing, oh, it's almost a free service. I remember um, when I was in the police force and I was curious, I asked some of these guys, I said, you know, what, what sort of, what do you charge to come in and, you know, pick up these dead bodies? And they said, oh, a dollar a body. And I said, well, that's weird. And they said, no, 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 because invariably we get the funeral. Because they've got the body already. And once you've got the body and you've got the funeral, the funeral's where the big money is. Yeah. And, you know, big money. Mm. So there was a uh, government contractor who, uh, okay, I'll just go back a bit. Let's start again. There was a highway patrol officer on a motorbike uh-huh. back in the day. Um, this is back when the police, the highway patrol, used to drive the big Kawasaki Z1000s. They were a really horny motorbike. And he lived on the Central Coast, but he worked in the city in the highway patrol. Uh-huh. And he's heading across the Mooney Mooney Bridge, which is a bridge north of Sydney, mm. heading home. And it's kind of dusk, you know, getting a little bit dark. And he sees a white van pulled over on the side of the road. And he, being a good policeman, he thinks, oh, because he recognises that, you know, that looks like a contractor's vehicle. You've is- mentioned contractor's vehicles before when you would wait outside the Glebe morgue and yeah. they'd be lined up, right? Correct. These white vehicles and they just were just, that's because that's how, I mean, let's get real. Yeah. A body from a murder or four bodies or a mass shooting, these bodies have to get to the morgue. Yeah. And they go in these generally non-specific vehicles. But when I was in the job, you'd be driving along and you'd go, oh, yeah, that's that's a contractor's vehicle. You but, just knew. Yeah, because you've seen so many of you've them. You've seen so many. So this high patrol guy sees one and goes, oh, I've seen one of those before. Correct, yeah. Correct. So he uh, uh, diligently pulls up and he, he walks around and there's no one uh, in the front. And the vehicle's apparently... And you can't see in the back because uh, you can't see because they've well, got you, a... You don't want to have a dead body on display. No, that's right. Yeah. And then he goes around to the back of the vehicle and he, uh, he opens up the back of the van and there's the... Uh, there's the contractor... Uh, Chock a block up a uh, deceased person having intercourse with a dead body. No, I got it. Yeah, on the side of the road. He just put, thought he'd pull over for a, a bit of a, you know. <laughs> that's that's so bad. I'm looking at your face, Paul, and you look as though you've—I don't know what you look like. I mean, that's that's like I just think it's really, really bad. It's kind of evil. It's but Ted Bundy. I made reference to Ted Bundy in the last episode. Yes. He was, uh, he engaged in necrophilia, and also cannibalism. I mean, there are some pretty, and uh, look, oh, yeah, it's 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 not good. Well, uh, but that's that is a uh, that's a story that I thought I'd start this podcast off just sort of to to set the tone. Set the tone. Yeah, you absolute maniac. Mm. But look, there are some weird things happening uh, that we don't know about. Obviously. <laughs> Just a quick question, though. Yep. What does the police officer do at that point? Uh, well, he would arrest the guy. Like, vigorously. Can you imagine the image of I, that view? I would be tempted to throw him into traffic, frankly. Like, mm. that is horrifying. It's bad. But it, like a good policeman, yep. he follows due process. Uh, I mean, I haven't spoken to that particular police officer. Yeah. Uh, and he, quite frankly, might not want to talk about it to me or anyone else. Sure. But that's uh, that's a story. Here is a really quite a fascinating story that is 
pretty heavy. Okay. And I actually had this story corroborated many years after I'd left the New South Wales Police Force. Corroborated in a way that kind of tied up a few loose ends. Oh, great, yeah. The story that I'm about to tell you is actually surreal. Well, let's finish with the corroboration because I think... But let's start with how you ran into this. Okay, well, what was happening at the morgue at Glebe, um, which is uh, no longer uh, there... Really? No, they've moved. I didn't actually know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they closed down. You remember I took you and Tegan for a bit of a drive, a bit yep. of a cook's tour yep. of all the fascinating places that we're then going to be um, sort of folk, focusing on in your book. We actually book. we actually went to the house from The Witch. Correct. If you've read the book, the final case, um, the, the Witch case, which is frankly for me the best thing in the book, um, we actually went to the house and looked in the yard and yeah. so... That was really stressful mm. and weird. But yeah. yes, we did. We stopped outside the morgue and you pointed across the road and said that's where the vans would be. Correct. Yep. And that's one of those vans that we've just mentioned, alluded to, where the guy was actually... Yep. Um, no, you don't need to say it again. Correct. So um, they were having a problem. And I dare say that in, in the reality, perhaps perhaps across the world, maybe not so much now, but they were having a problem with um, some of the genitals, some of the penises, were actually uh, being taken off bodies and just vanishing from the morgue. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they did an investigation. Now, I've seen the photographs, so it's this is... I I don't ever want to say in these podcasts that this is real or this is honest. I don't ever, ever want to say that. However, what I'm about to tell you is it's fair income because I've, I've seen the photos because I still question... Like the story about the dog and the bone, you know, yeah. the stick. Yeah. You know, did I really see it? Yeah, I saw it. Um, so what happened was that a particular member of staff at, was... At the Glebe one? At, 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 at a Sydney morgue uh-huh. quite a while ago. Yep. Was cutting off penises. <clears throat> this particular person would then take the penises home and uh, this particular person, notice how I'm not saying whether it's a male or a female. Yep. This particular person would then dry the penises out and then make a really, really, I guess you'd have to say a decorative penis necklace. So, and then that person would, I don't know what they were doing once they put the necklace on, could have been satanic worship, I don't know what it was, but it was pretty wacky, and they would prance around with their penis necklace. Now, that's, I think that's pretty weird. <laughs> I mean... Oh, shit, don't you think that's... <laughs> you wouldn't want them to get erect, they'd, they'd tense up and break your neck. Hmm. Sorry, I'm trying to. I'm trying to cope. No, and I know. My means are so bad. It's my means so are, bizarre. I mean, what do you do? I mean, why do you do it? What do you do? What are you doing? Like, of all the hobbies, I guess what happens is at one point you've got to look at, take a long, hard look at yourself, and just go. I'm halfway through. Like, Did you just say a long, hard look at yourself. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. But like. <sighs> There, there is a certain degree of respect which I, I assumed was, okay. was afforded to dead people. Yes, and it's and it's and it's an offence in the Crimes Act. It's called um, sacrilege. So that's what the word actually means. Sacrilege is to is to go to a cemetery and graffiti a tombstone. Okay, it's an important offence. Yeah, because there is a a, a a sense that. The dead can't speak for themselves. No, damn straight. No, I mean I've talked. I've talked quite openly about the fact that I want to be cremated because I don't want my remains to be out there because I think it, I find it kind of ghoulish. Mm. But for those people whose beliefs 
or preferences are, I want my body to be on display, or I want to donate my organs, or I want it to be... You you expect the people dealing with you these things. So. Because the, the, a dead body is, regardless of your beliefs, it is defenseless. Mm. So to do something as insanely disrespectful no, as... scary. The only reason... I, just, just to clarify, the only reason I was making jokes is because I feel a bit sick yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I needed to try and distract myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, remember um, Warren Lanfranchi was on the slab in, in, in the book. Yeah. And the detective came up and put his hand around his penis in death. Now, Warren Lanfranchi was no angel, but, you know, it's it's showing a fairly low level of yeah. respect to a, to a corpse. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, this particular person, let's go through his or her's mental process. They've had to, um, you know, have, a, have a, a scalpel or something and, and sort of grab the penis and the testicles and hold them pretty tight. Oh, we're then, still we're still talking about this. No, one. I'm just I just want to go through the process and then and then cut them off. There'd be no bleeding because yep. they're cadavers. Mm. Then they've got to smuggle them out of the morgue. So you know, did they put them in a box? Did they put them in a bag? Did they put them in their pocket? Wait, Who and, knows? wait, wait. Penis and testicles. Um, yeah, I think the the scrotum was attached. No, yep. no, that's <laughs> and, way worse. I know, but anyway, Dad. <laughs> Anyway, the thing is that they, they, they then take them home oh and they had a whole collection of them and then they have to somehow dry them out. I mean, did they hang them on a, on a tiny little Fucking little God. peg situation in the lounge room? A did little they, peg situation. Did they do it in the... A little the, peg situation. I assume they were living on their own because otherwise the people would have you, thought this I is mean, weird. I mean, you couldn't hang penises and testicles out to dry in a fucking share house, could you? No. That little peg situation would go down pretty badly. You never get your bond back. Yeah. I'm so mad right now. So, uh... Then they, but then the process of uh, you know sort of lining them up on the table and looking, perhaps sorting them into different sizes, <laughs> because then you'd have to then thread. I... So you'd have to put holes through a part of them, and then you'd have to feed the thread through, and then tie a knot and make a nice and work out the length of the necklace, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's all pretty wacky. That's my point. Okay, so years later, oh, yeah. I met a guy who ran a very interesting uh, company and they were involved in surveillance. Mm. And he told me, now I never mentioned this story to him, but he told me that the morgue in Glebe had to install a serious video camera and security system for the express purpose yep. of monitoring the goings-on, particularly in the wee hours of the morning yep. where things were going missing. Isn't that amazing? Now, he didn't elaborate, but one could also perhaps conclude that perhaps other organs were going missing too because there may well be a market for certain other parts. I, I don't know, but I do know that they had to in- install the uh, surveillance system because of internal theft. Um, and as we've established, external theft. So that's pretty... uh... I got a question. Yep. Did you ever encounter anyone who worked at a morgue Mm -hmm. who had a temperament that you would describe as... Unusual? A little unusual. Definitely. And I mean like unusual in a way of like you're the kind of person who would make a penis necklace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. Did you ever encounter anything you like your hobbies are clearly I met strange. some interesting people. But yeah. look, there was a guy in Sydney who was a merchant banker. Oh. And uh this is not uh like this is not a news flash because it was well publicized. But uh and I and I want to talk about a particular tiny little animal, and I don't want all the people to get upset again about talking about animals, but this particular merchant banker what happened was in Sydney at Circular Quay, people can Google this because a lot of people, listeners are going to go, John, you've completely lost the plot this time. But what happened was they were finding numerous dead guinea pigs. Have you heard this story? No. It's fascinating. Sure. Down at uh, Circular Quay, and it turns out that this particular guy was buying guinea pigs and having sex with them and then disposing of them. And he turned out to be a, a senior banker in Sydney. Can you say which bank? I don't know which bank. Please, ball. I don't know because I want to. I don't want to know where my money's going. But listen, that's a true story. A guy was buying guinea pigs, having his way with them, yep. tiny little things, and then, and then. I mean, ha- is that a weird story? I mean, no, it's I, a true story. I need, I need to know which bank because I, need I to, have no idea. One of the big Paul. four credit union. I don't know. It wasn't a credit union, was it? I mean, there were some weird people. Here's another weird story. Sure. Getting off the track a little bit. Yeah. But there was a special uh, squad set up in Sydney in Martin Place. This mm. is a this is a cracker. Mm. This just goes. I guess why I'm talking about these things is that it goes. It gives you some insight, albeit twisted and bent, as to what humans are capable of. So this particular situation, every lunchtime in Martin Place, there would be a, like a lunchtime recital, and women who were sort of in the involved in these recitals were going back to their. Uh, um, uh, officers, yep, and they were discovering over many, many, many months that women were continually going back to their offices, and they had sperm on their dresses and pants. So there was a person every lunchtime that'd go out there, and because it was a very tight performance uh, in in more ways than one, and uh, he'd be rubbing up against uh, women in the crowd, and, and unbeknownst to these women, he was he was jacking off and ejaculating onto their clothing. And then they'd be going back to their offices and having sort of traces of sperm and people would be going, oh, that's a bit bit, whatever. And then they had to set up a task force in Sydney, yeah. a lunchtime task force to try and find out you know, and get to the bottom of this particular case. So there's an example of you know, someone jacking off in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a lunchtime and that person on the balance of probabilities uh, was, was a, an office worker 
who was coming down and getting his jolly, getting his rocks off, and then going back and just you know everything's cool. Did they ever find out who it was? I don't know. <laughs> but I'm just that's telling you that that was a particular, you know, one of the more unusual. There've been some amazing sort of squads set up to to investigate really weird shit. I mean, oftentimes we'll finish, you know, like doing a, sh- a run of a show, and we all feel like this show is never going to be run again, and it was it was built of like very specific people for a very specific purpose to entertain people. And we go, good work, everyone. But when you wrap up the case of the man who jacks off on people in a specific area of Sydney and that task force finishes, like, how do you feel? I mean, how many times during your work as a police officer and a forensics officer did you feel like that was a job that I never want to talk or think about again? I, a lot of the stuff that we've discussed, Mm. I haven't thought about and I probably would never have ever thought about it again until you said dad we want to do a second season let's let's go deep let's go into the hole because we made a very very strong and palpable point in the first season of not touching on the forensics and that this whole side of things because it's a whole separate area yeah um and believe you me there were times because the other stories in the first season sort of would start to sort of you know thoughts had come <laughs> about that various things yeah. but and I wanted to talk about them but we 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 kept a lid on them and uh, then we started. I started taking notes on this second season, and I, you know, it's it's amazing. There's just so much material out there. They kept, no- yeah. A lot of the cases in the first season kept knocking at the door, like pushing at the edges mm. of the fingerprints era. Mm, mm. Okay, well, look. I mean, we have so many questions now. Before, before is this is the um, this is the end of season. Oh, this is like the eighth episode, isn't it? Yeah. So this is like the midway point. Midway point. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say something to you now that I haven't said to you <clears throat> before, and and the listeners. It's mm. just a teaser. I'm giving you a teaser, um, and this is gonna sound completely out there and wacky. Yeah. But I thought I'd, uh, I'd, I'd I've been doing a fair bit of research uh, lately on how far a person can ejaculate. Hello. I'd really rather you didn't. No, no, it's true because this is gonna tie us into. It's a segue into. The next story. Do you want to? Are no, you going to talk? Talking about it now. It's a great one, but we'll, let's let's just save it for the next time because it's a ripper. Everyone, I'd like to just point out that um, hearing your dad, seeing your dad say those words in that order, whilst looking into your eyes across <laughs> the room, is really upsetting. Yep. And I, for one, think that I deserve a goddamn medal. All right. Well, look, I'm going to uh, read some questions to you now. Maybe we can. Um, just move swiftly away. Here we go. Here is a question from Simone Haig. And this might be like a strange question to end episode eight with, but uh, it could take you some interesting places. What is the weirdest death you had to deal with? Well, I, <laughs> you know what I just said a few seconds ago? Yeah. Well, that's that's it. That's it? Oh, hang on. No, it's not. Oh, well, look, I, no, hang on. Again, this is one of these questions that, that opens up a can of worms in terms of a whole amazing story. So about, I'm not going to talk about them all right, now. Well, let's let's have that question. How uh, about you ask that question at the beginning of next episode? Yeah. Okay. Well, here is a question. What's the blow? <laughs> this is terrible. This is from Gemma Munro. Gemma, I hate you. Gemma asks, "What's the bodily fluid you detest the most?" Now, please, if you can, link it to a case. Yeah, but I'm not going to tell the case. No, you don't have to tell the case. Because that, that's going to happen down the track. What, how, how There's you... a combination of things. Uh, so I could never, ever, ever. Mm. I mean, this is going to say I don't want this. I don't want everyone out there to think I was not a good dad because I was a fucking great father mm. and still am. But you know, we all have little things that make us sort of a bit squeamish. Yeah. And you know, one of the things, Paul, what? runny eggs. 
Uh, I yeah. cannot. Dabble, we'll take Dad to a cafe, and if there's a runny egg, he will just sit there and not We let- had to leave a restaurant last night in Melbourne because yep. they were serving a runny egg on this particular beautiful dish. It I was can- like a, it was like an artisanal- I can't even think about it. Carbonara thing, but the egg was still like yeah. the yolk was in and the you middle. you know when a baby poops at snappy and the shit sticks to the- <laughs> The nappy, and you just need high pressure water to get it to even roll off. Uh-huh. Okay, I can't. It makes me ill. Right. Okay. So you know we've got a lot of choices. We've got vomit. If I smell vomit, I, I just I start to dry reach. Uh, shit is highly offensive. Um, you know, there's a plant that smells exactly like semen. Yep, it's called the lindenberry tree. The linden tree. That's and amazing. The linden tree was planted. Uh, the Americans gave the saplings as a gift to Queen Victoria, I believe. And there's a wonderful Michelin Web sketch in which the Queen turns to her advisor and says, "Can you smell cum?" So it's so it's yeah. very good. Yep. Yeah, and, that, and that's a factual. It's bad stuff, but it's a true. It's it's real. Yeah. So there are all these different smells that, you know, and then there's the smells from um, a, a badly decomposing body. Now, what does that smell like? It smells so bad. So, in answer to the lovely lady's question, I would have to say when they open up. Um, a body during a post-mortem and there are all those gases inside that just burst out and maggots roll out all over the floor. That, for me, uh, visually, it's pretty pretty bizarre and, and intense, but the smell um, is rancid and that's, that's the worst smell. And they put that sort of... Um you said it was like a balm under the nose? Yes, yeah. Does it actually do anything, that stuff? Not really, no. But it just... Yeah, but, but I've worked with police that, that can just sort of, you know, they handle it. But you've got to dis- disassociate yourself from. But odors are very. It's a very potent uh, thing. And, and and when I broke my leg when I was um, a long time ago, and uh, we used to have a bread making machine. Every time I smell baked bread yeah. to this very day, it takes me back to when I broke my leg. So it's very strong emotional. It elicits very strong emotional responses. Right. Have you found that talking about these stories has giving you kind of sensory flashbacks? Um, look, I find it very intense doing this in the studio. Yeah. Um, I mean, the studio is lovely, but the story no, is the being studio told. is fantastic. <laughs> the but studio- I find it really, really, yeah. you know, I can't believe the stuff we've we've discussed and, and um, we are going to go deeper. I know. I know. I'm gonna I know. Take, I'm going to take the listeners to places that I've got a few stories that are, you know, I defy the best script writer. To go deeper than we're going to go. I mean, I would love to, you know, turn this into something. A, a little while ago, someone, uh, Karina Tasker, I think, asked if being a cop and doing what you've done has ruined television shows for you and made you- No, si- it's made me more um, <clears throat> more discerning. So, it just sets the bar higher. Right. Because okay. I love great, great crime and great, um, you know, forensics. But uh, I must admit, um, I quite like a very, very good crime documentary. Mm. Um, but, you know- to this day, one of the greatest crime shows that I've ever seen is uh, Fargo. Right. And that's not the movie, that's the series. Yes. And and some of the great Nordic uh, noir, like The Eagle. Yeah. You know, some of the great Scandinavian crime. I just find it enthralling. If you were going to watch Loose Units as a TV show, right, if you were going to watch, you know, your adventures, for lack of a better term, mm. and our interactions in yep. the present day as yep. in a TV show, we had a competition a while ago where people actually rattled through who they would cast. Yeah. As you. Yep. And I don't I, know whether George Clooney's available at the moment. Oh, uh, he's pretty busy. But I mean, if you, first of all, you don't have to go with an Australian actor. But I mean, um, would there be any place... 
because we've talked about we've talked about the TV show of loose units uh, as a thing, but that was general duties, mm. right? There's yeah. a lot of like running and jumping and action and car chasing and mm. whatnot. Yeah, forensics is a lot more um, sedate, at least in terms of the action. So it'd be mm. a lot more kind of character driven. Yeah. Um, do you think? And I'm being. I mean, this might be nepotism, but like, do you see a show in the forensics years? Oh, I, I've always thought that it'd be fantastic, but that sounds a bit, you know, I, I don't want to sound like a wanker, but well, I just look, think I, I think the material's fascinating. I mean, and, I would um, just, I would just like to see Mads Mikkelsen play play you. He's great. He's fantastic. But I just think we've got some great stories, and they're really, really good. And you know, they're all they're all real. Yeah. So, you know, if I um, was to come back tomorrow and we and you say to me, okay, let's start to talk about these things that we've discussed today, and mm. then you were to put the transcripts or the recordings next to each other, they'd be spot on. Absolutely. So, i.e., that, 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 you know, you, when you're telling the truth, it's it's really easy. Yeah. I, because last season, we talked a lot about um, the fact that I wanted to be a police officer and the fact that I would have made a terrible police officer. I just don't have the temperament for it. Like, I'm, I'm way too... Um, I think that there are roles within every police organisation for all types of temperaments. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, because we never, we never went down this avenue. What particular wing of the police do you think I'd be good in, and is it forensics? I think it'd be prosecuting. Really? Yeah, law degree, and you, then... You, no, I'm serious. Really? What, what are you basing that on? Well, you've got a good intellect. <sighs> yeah, but, like, I'm not street you've smart. You've got an inquiring mind. You don't need to be... Look, trust me. When you're dealing with criminals and that system, the court system, long enough, you 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 get a, the gist of it. See, I'm not really good at the gotcha stuff because I have trouble retaining long play things. I'm very good no, at the you're moment. You're very good. Um, you know, it's very theatrical. If right. you listen to the in the closing defence and um by prosecution and and uh, and the defence in, in in the great court cases around yeah. the world on yeah. in the, in the movies and the documentaries, it's all real. It's all theatre. Your objective is to convince the jury that your your case, your you, you've got the best the best story. Sure, but I mean, I, I get that, right? That's the performative cinematic part. But yep. before that, there's months and months of cross examining. Cross examining requires a certain level. But of you've intellect. got you've got assistants, you've got lawyers, you've got solicitors, you've Maybe. got lot of lots of people that are there like as team. part of a team. Okay, so in you're ba- the mouthpiece. In ba- <laughs> thanks. In baseball, they have a thing called like a designated hitter, right? So you'll have someone whose job is just to hit the ball. Mm. They don't do the running. They don't do the pitching. They yep. just hit the ball. Yep. Now, if in the legal system there was like a designated like mm. performer mm. where I could just give up and just give the opening and closing statements, yeah. that's fine. Okay. Because that's like- But also, Paul, you'd be great in the, in the, the media unit. Right, so where you'd be, you could be the face of the New South Wales Police Force, or in down here in Melbourne, and you're the you're the go-to, you're you're the face. I guess you know the fire brigade's got the, a face; they've got a guy that, and that's he's the guy that speaks generally, because it's quite frankly embarrassing listening to some emergency service personnel talking, yeah, in front of a camera, and rightfully so, it's nerve-wracking. But you, I mean, do you think? Because I'm hearing these stories, and I'm feeling a little. A little peaky, um, and a lot of listeners are presumably feeling that way as well. And we've had quite a few listeners ask if they should maybe enrol in the police force. I think it's a wonderful. Um, I think I think it's a really wonderful vocation. But do you think anyone can build up a resistance to these kind of horrors, or do you think some people just aren't built for it? Um, I don't think anyone ever gets used to that sort of stuff. Sure. Uh, I mean, you've talked about like. It it just has to be a job. Like when you put that kid's hand on your hand like a glove. Yeah. Um, well, someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do and it. And can you imagine if I just went, you know what? I'll tell you what, if I had have turned around on that day and said, you know what? I can't do this. I would have left the police force that day. Really? I would have walked out because I'd realized that, hang on, I've reached my limit. I can't. I don't want to do it. It's shit. It's a shit job. Mm. So the fact is that 
these things have to be done. And there are lots of other things. I mean, look at surgeons and, and working. What about ENR working, um, you know, in emergency? I, I, what about paramedics that are at, right at the coalface? I mean, yeah. I, I have been to lots of car accidents. I've been in cars where three of the four people have been deceased. I've been in those situations. Yeah. And, and, you know, the husband, we, we discussed this in previous stories where the husband would say, oh, you know, how's my wife? And I'd go, she's great. No, she's not. She's dead. Yeah. I'm not going to say to him, well, she's fucked. Kids are in the back there decapitated. I'm not going to say that. Mm. I'm going to bullshit my way out of that one because I need to get home and I need to, you know, move on with my, I've got my life. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. not going to be flagellating for the rest of my life, but I'm really, really glad I joined the New South Wales Police Force. I'm, I, that, that was fantastic. Now, for the listeners that might not know, I then left the New South Wales Police Force and I joined the Work Cover Authority which is weird because I was investigating industrial accidents. Go figure. Horrendous in industrial accidents. But I thought, you know, it's really, it was fascinating. And I did that for a few years. And then I was um, promoted pretty rapidly within that department, the New South Wales Work Cover Authority. And then one day I was um, district manager in the city and I'm looking down and there was an arsonist and he was setting fire to all these cathedrals and big churches in the city. And I looked down from the 12th floor and I could see this cathedral at the top of George Street in Sydney, well alight, Flames coming through the roof and I thought, wow. And I'm looking down and the fire is rocked up and they got the ladders and the platforms to work. And I'm sitting or standing looking down and then I thought, you know what, I'm not really enjoying my job because once emergency services gets into your DNA mm. and I applied to join the New South Wales Fire Brigades, one of the most difficult jobs in the world to get into. They took 120 um, cadets that year and New South Wales University conducted the entrance exam and I got into the fireys, and I did that for ten years. So I needed that kind of fix, mm. uh, and I and I got it through the fireys. So I'd gone from the police to work cover. So there's a bit of a thread. And then when I was in the fire brigade, I'd been in the fireys for about maybe six or seven years. I seriously considered becoming a paramedic, and I did but, you. And I've never heard this. No, but the thing is that I actually had slightly ulterior motives in that. And this is going to sound so uncool, but I'm being very honest in that I thought I it, it was a challenge and I thought I'd probably be the first person in Australia to have done the three services. And that was my little challenge. And I was looking into it really, really seriously. Really? Yep. But then I know a few paramedics yep. and I, I, I had a good, hard, long think about how it's affected some of them. And I thought, no, I don't really need to do that. Yeah. And and when I was in high school, I was a St. John's Ambulance cadet. You know that, don't you? No, but I mean, that technically does qualify you for having worked. Yeah. So I guess you have done them all. Well, kind of, but, you know, that was... And I, and I, so I've always been drawn to helping people. Um, I, I love helping people. Mm. And, uh, and and I, you know, and I still help people um, today in in my career now. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely in my. Uh, it's like guys that go to, and and women that go to war, uh, or do you know that the active service, and mm. then they come back and you know, and then then they leave, and what do they do? Yeah, I mean, if they're detective, if they're Jim Hopper, they they go from the Vietnam War to, and we've talked about our love for Jim Hopper so many times on this show already. That's fascinating. I never knew that you almost did the ego mm. of uh, emergency services, yeah. but that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, any listeners who are in the emergency services, we always love hearing your perspectives. So feel free to hop across to the Loose Units Facebook page and just, you know, anecdote us up because we are we are here for it. And we are here for you. And we, we, we have just been loving doing this season so far. We hope you also enjoyed um, 
if you haven't already heard it, our live Father's Day episode. It was a proper hoot, as you would know if you were there, and many of you were there, and thank you so much for, for coming along. Now, I just wanted to close out by saying that if you haven't already read Loose Units, the book, the book was a labor of love, took many, many years, and we are so proud of it. So if you haven't already read it, head across to, I mean, if you want like a cheap copy, you can get them online slightly cheaper. We have the audiobook, which is me reading Loose Units, the book, and doing all the voices and accents, and Dad and I do a special intro at the start. Again, another huge labor of love and another way to support us, and that's over at Audible and Bolinda.com and everywhere you get audiobooks, and obviously the podcast. Um, we do this podcast. We've got a Patreon page. If you want to donate and chip in to help us produce this show, you can go to patreon.com uh, forward slash loose units. I haven't actually checked that that's the URL. So if it's not, I guess I really screwed up. But uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening to this season so far. Loose Units is proudly presented by Pillow Talk Productions, and we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.